0: my show on civil rights. My name is Barbara Bullen and I'm one of the radio hosts for the New Heights Show on Education and the New Heights Educational Group. I hope you enjoy the show and I'm asking our listeners to consider becoming a sponsor. This show is pre-recorded. This show is the third of three shows based on the confession of abolitionist Nat Turner, taken from DigitalCommons.unl.edu. The the continuation of Nat Turner's Confession As I saw them reloading their guns and more coming up than I saw at first, and several of my bravest men being wounded, the others became panic-struck and squandered over the field. The white men pursued and fired on us several times. Hark! had his horse shot under him, and I caught another for him as it was running by me. Five or six of my men were wounded, but none left on the field. Finding myself defeated here, I instantly determined to go through a private way and cross the Nottaway River at the Cypress Bridge three miles below Jerusalem and attack that place in the rear. As I expected, they would look for me on the other road, and I had a great desire to get there to procure arms and ammunition. After going a short distance in this private way, accompanied by about twenty men, I overtook two or three who told me the others were dispersed in every direction. After trying in vain to collect the sufficient force to proceed to Jerusalem, I determined to return as I was sure they would make back to their old neighbourhood, where they would rejoin me, make new recruits, and come down again. On my way back, I called at Mrs. Thomas's, Mrs. Spencer's, and several other places. The white families having fled, we found no more victims to gratify our thirst for blood. We stopped at Major Ridley's quarter for the night, and being joined by four of his men with the recruits, Made since my defeat, we mustered now about forty strong. After placing our sentinels, I lay down to sleep, but was quickly roused by a great racket starting up. I found some mounted and others in great confusion. One of the sentinels having given the alarm that we were about to be attacked, I ordered some to ride round and recon and reconnoitre, and on their return, the others being more alarmed, not knowing who they were, fled in different ways, so that I was reduced to about 20 again. With this, I determined to attempt to recruit and proceed on to rally in the neighbourhood I had left. Dr. Blunt's was the nearest house which we reached just before day. On riding up the yard, Hart fired a gun. We expected Dr. Blunt and his family were at Major Ridley's, as I knew there was a company of men there. The gun was fired to ascertain if any of the family were at home. We were immediately fired upon and retreated, leaving several of my men. I do not know what became of them, as I never saw them afterwards. Pursuing our course back and coming in sight of Captain Harris's, where we had been the day before, we discovered a party of white men at the house, on which all deserted me but two, Jacob and Nat. We concealed ourselves in the woods until near night, when I sent them in search of Henry, Sam, Nelson and Hark, and directed them to rally all they could at the place we had had our dinner the Sunday before, where they would find me, and I accordingly returned there as soon as it was dark and remained until Wednesday evening. When discovering white men riding around the place as though they were looking for someone, and none of my men joined me, I concluded Jacob and Nat had been taken and compelled to betray me. On this, I gave up all hope for the present, and on Thursday night, after having supplied myself with provisions for Mr. Travis's, I scratched a hole under a pile of fence rails in a field where I concealed myself for six weeks, never leaving my hiding place, but for a few minutes in the dead of night to get water, which was very nearby. Thinking by this time I could venture out, I began to go about in the night and eavesdrop the houses in the neighbourhood. Pursuing this course for about a fortnight and gathering little or no intelligence, afraid of speaking to any human being and returning every morning to my cave before the dawn of day, I know not how long I might have led this life. If accident had not betrayed me, A dog in the neighbourhood passing by my hiding place one night while I was out was attracted by some meat I had in my cave and crawled in and stole it. And was coming out just as I returned. A few nights after, two negroes having started to go hunting with the same dog and passed that way, the dog came again to the place and having just gone out to walk about, discovered me and barked, on which thinking myself discovered... I spoke to them to beg concealment, on making myself known they fled from me. Knowing then they would betray me, I immediately left my hiding place and was pursued almost incessantly until I was taken a fortnight afterwards by Mr. Benjamin Phipps. In a little hole I had dug out with my sword for the purpose of concealment onto the top of a fallen tree. On Mr. Phipps, discovering the place of my concealment, he cocked his gun and aimed at me. I requested him not to shoot, and I would give up, upon which he demanded my sword. I delivered it to him, and he brought me to prison. During the time I was pursued, I had many here breath escapes, which your time will not permit you to relate. I am here loaded with chains and willing to suffer that fate that awaits me. I here proceeded to make some inquiries of him, after assuring him of the certain death that awaited him, and that concealment would only bring destruction on the innocent, as well as guilty, of his own colour, if he knew of any extensive or concerted plan. His answer was, I do not. When I questioned him as to the insurrection in North Carolina, happening about the same time, he denied any knowledge of it. And when I looked him in the face as though I would search his inmost thoughts, he replied, I see, sir, you doubt my word. But can you not think the same ideas and strange appearances about this time in the heavens might prompt others as well as myself to this undertaking? Right now, you might be struggling through your classes or even failing them. You might be worried that you may not finish high school. There might have even been a thought that you may not be smart enough. Well, the New Heights Educational Group begs to differ. We not only think you are smart enough, but with our help, you will complete your high school diploma. The New Heights Educational Group strives to improve your academic success through its tutoring services. To learn more, please visit newheightseducation.org and contact us. New Heights Educational Group. Educational resources to help reach your goals. Hello, listeners. If you're enjoying the New Heights show on education and want to support or donate to our organization, please visit www.NewHeightsEducation.org. And while you're there, check out our online store. Welcome back. To the New Heights Show in Education. My name is Barbara Bullen and I'm the radio host for this show. This show is pre-recorded and focuses on the history of civil rights. A recap of the first segment of the show on the abolitionist Nat Turner's Confession will continue. I now had much conversation with and asked him many questions, having forborne to do so previously except in the cases noted in in parenthesis, but during his statement I had, unnoticed by him, taken notes as to some particular circumstances and having the advantage of his statement before me in writing on the evening of the third day that I had been with him. I began a cross-examination and found his statement corroborated by every circumstance coming within my knowledge or the confessions of others, whom had either been killed or executed, and whom he had not seen nor had any knowledge since the 22nd of August last, he expressed himself fully satisfied as to the impracticability of his attempt. It has been said he was ignorant and cowardly, and that his object was to murder and rob for the purpose of of obtaining money to make his escape. It is notorious that he was never known to have a dollar in his life, to swear an oath or drink a drop of spirits. As to his ignorance, he certainly never had the advantages of education, but he can read and write. It was taught him by his parents, and for natural intelligence and quickness of apprehension is surpassed by few men I have ever seen. As to his being a coward, His reason as given for not resisting Mr. Phipps shows the the decision of his character. When he saw Mr. Phipps present his gun, he said he knew it was impossible for him to escape, as the woods were full of men. He therefore thought it was better to surrender and trust to fortune for his escape. He is a complete fanatic, or plays his part most admirably on other subjects, He possesses an uncommon share of intelligence, with a mind capable of attaining anything but warped and perverted by the influence of early impressions. He is below the ordinary stature, though strong and active, having the true negro face, every feature of which is strongly marked. I shall not attempt to describe the effect of his narrative, as told and commented on by himself in the condemned hole of the prison, the calm, deliberate composure with which he spoke of his late deeds and intentions, the expression of his fiend-like face when excited by enthusiasm, still bearing the stains of the blood of helpless innocence about him, clothed with rags and covered with chains, yet daring to raise his manacled hands to heaven with a spirit soaring above the attributes of man, I looked on him, and my blood curdled in my veins. I will not shock the feelings of humanity, nor wound afresh the bosoms of the disconsolate sufferers in this unparalleled and inhumane massacre by detailing the deeds of their fiend-like barbarity. There were two or three who were in the power of these wretches, had they known it, and who escaped in the most providential manner, There were two whom they thought they left dead on the field at Mr. Parker's, but who were only stunned by the blows of the guns as they did not take time to reload when they charged on them. The escape of a little girl who went to school at Mr. Waller's or where the children were collecting for that purpose excited general sympathy. As the teacher had not arrived, they were at play in the yard and seeing the Negroes approach, she ran up on a dirt chimney such as are common to log houses, and remained there unnoticed during the massacre of the eleven that were killed at this place. She remained in her hiding place till just before the arrival of a party who were in pursuit of the murderers when she came down and fled to a swamp where, a mere child as she was, with the horrors of the late scene before her, she lay concealed until the next day when seeing a party go up to the house, she came up, and on being asked how she escaped, replied with the utmost simplicity, The Lord helped her. She was taken up behind a gentleman of the party and returned to the arms of her weeping mother. Miss Miss Whitehead concealed herself between the bed and the mat that supported it, while they murdered her sister in the same room without discovering her. She was afterwards carried off and concealed for protection by a slave of the family who gave evidence against several of them on their trial. Mrs. Nathaniel Francis, while concealed in a closet, heard their blows and the shrieks of the victims of these ruthless savages. They then entered the closet where she was concealed and went out without discovering her. While in this hiding place, she heard two of her women in a quarrel about the division of her clothes. Mr. John T. Barron, discovering them, approaching his house, Told his wife to make her escape, and, scorning to fly, fell fighting on his own threshold. After firing his rifle, he discharged his gun at them and then broke it over the villain who first approached him. But he was overpowered and slave. His bravery, however, saved from the hands of these monsters his lovely and an amiable wife, who will long lamented a husband so deserving of her love. As directed by him, she attempted to escape through the garden, when she was caught and held by one of her servant girls, but another came to her rescue, she fled to the woods and concealed herself. Few indeed were those who escaped their work of death, but fortunate for society, the hand of retributive justice has overtaken them, and not one that was known to be concerned has escaped." The Commonwealth versus Nat Turner, charged with making insurrection and plotting to take away the lives of divers free white persons on the 22nd of August 1831. The court composed of, having met for the trial of Nat Turner, the prisoner was brought in and arraigned, and upon his arraignment pleaded not guilty, saying to his counsel, that he did not feel so. On the part of the Commonwealth, Levi Waller was introduced, who being sworn, deposed as follows, agreeable to Nat's own confession. Colonel Tresvant was then introduced, who being sworn, narrated Nat's confession to him as follows: His confession as given to Mr. Grey. THE PRISONER INTRODUCED NO EVIDENCE, AND THE CASE WAS SUBMITTED WITHOUT ARGUMENT TO THE COURT, WHO HAVING FOUND HIM GUILTY, JEREMIAH COBB, ESQUIRE CHAIRMAN, PRONOUNCED THE SENTENCE OF THE COURT IN THE FOLLOWING WORDS, NAT TURNER, STAND UP, HAVE YOU ANYTHING TO SAY WHY SENTENCE OF DEATH SHOULD NOT BE PRONOUNCED AGAINST YOU? ANSWER, I HAVE NOT. I HAVE MADE A FULL CONFESSION TO MR. GRAY, AND I HAVE NOTHING MORE TO SAY. Attend, then, to the sentence of the court. You have been arraigned and tried before this court and convicted of one of the highest crimes in our criminal code. You have been convicted of plotting in cold blood the indiscriminate destruction of men, of helpless women, and of infant children. The evidence before us leaves not a shadow of doubt but that your hands were often imbrued in the blood of the innocent and your own confession tells us that they were stained with the blood of a master, in your own language, too indulgent. Could I stop here? Your crime would be sufficiently aggravated, but the original contriver of a plan, deep and deadly, one that never can be effected, you managed so far to put it into execution, as to deprive us of many of our most valuable citizens and this was done when they were asleep and defenceless, under circumstances shocking to humanity. And while upon this part of the subject I cannot but call your attention to the poor misguided wretches who have gone before you, they are not few in number. They were your bosom associates, and the blood of all cries aloud, and calls upon you as the author of their misfortune. Yes, you forced them unprepared from time to eternity, borne down by this load of guilt, your only justification is that you were led away by fanatism. If this be true, for my soul, I pity you. And while you have my sympathies, I am nevertheless called upon to pass the sentence of the court. The time between this and your execution will necessarily be very short, and your only hope must be in another world. The judgment of the court is that you be taken hence to the jail, from whence you came, thence to the place of execution, on a Friday next, before the hours of 10 a.m. and 2 p.m., be hung by the neck until you are dead, dead, dead. And may the Lord have mercy upon your soul. A list of persons murdered in the insurrection on the 21st and 22nd of August, 1831. Joseph Travis and wife and three children, Mrs. Elizabeth Turner. Hartwell Prebles, Sarah Newsome, Mrs. P. Reese and son William, Trajan Doyle, Henry Bryant and wife and child, and wife's mother, Mrs. Catherine Whitehead, son Richard and four daughters, and grandchild, Celithalio Francis, Nathaniel Francis C and two children, John T. Barrow, George Vaughan, Mrs. Levi Waller and ten children, William Williams, wife and two boys, Mrs. Caswell-Warrell and child, Mrs. Rebecca Vaughan, Anne Eliza Vaughan and son Arthur, Arthur, Mrs. John K. Williams and child, Mrs. Jacob Williams and three children and Edwin Drury amounting to 55. A list of negroes brought before the Court of Southampton with their owners names and sentence Danielle Richard Porter convicted Moses JT Bower DO Tom Katie Whitehead discharged Jack and Andrew Katie Whitehead Con and Transported Jacob GOH Charlton discharged without trial Isaac Ditto. Convict and transported Jack Everett Bryant Discharged Nathan Benjamin Blunt's estate convicted Nathan Tom and Davy Boys Nathalian Francis convicted and transported Davy Elizabeth Turner Convicted Curtis Thomas Ridley DO Stephen DO DO Hardy and Isham. Benjamin Edwards convicted and transported, Sam, Nathaniel Francis convicted, Hark, Joseph Travis estate D.O. Moses, a boy, D.O. D.O. and transported, Davy, Levi Waller convicted, Nelson, Jacob Williams D.O., Nate, Edmund Turner estate D.O., Jack, William Reese's estate D.O. Dread Nathalian Francis DO Arnold Artist Free Discharged Sam JW Parker acquitted Ferry and Archer JW Parker discharged without trial Jim William Vaughn acquitted Bob Temperance Parker DO Davy Joseph Parker Danielle Solomon D Parker discharged without trial. Thomas haythcock free sent on for further trial. Joe John C. Turner convicted Lucy John T. Barra DO Matt Thomas Ridley acquitted Jim Richard Porter DO Exum Artist free sent on for further trial. Joe Richard P. Briggs discharged without trial. Barry Newsom free sent on for further trial, Stephen, James Bell, acquitted, Jim and Isaac, Samuel Champion, convicted and transported, Preston, Hannah Williamson, acquitted, Frank, Solomon D. Parker, convicted and transported, Jack and Shadrach, Nathaniel Simmons, acquitted, Nelson, Benjamin Blunt's estate, D.O., Sam, Peter Edwards, convicted, Archer, Arthur G Reese acquitted Isham Turner Free sent on for further trial Nat Turner Putnam Putnam Moore DECD convicted This comes to the conclusion of the show. The next show will be the continuation of Nat Turner's confession. Thank you for listening. You can reach me by email barbara b at newheightseducation.org. Be sure to join me every Sunday at radio.newheightseducation.org, 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, as I discuss the history of civil rights. Also, join Orlanian Tabert's pre recorded radio show, which airs by Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and Pamela Clark's pre-recorded shows, which airs Wednesday by 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Civil rights is our right. Have a great week. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Don't forget to rate us and follow us on your podcast player. Check out our show page, radio.newheightseducation.org, for monthly announcements and other happenings.